0: I'm happiest in the saddle <laughs> a fellow sportsman i am an fbi agent Great stop. what do you say we cut the chit chat a-hole
1: dogs and cats living together
0: mass hysteria
1: come with me if you want to live hello and welcome to retro ramble i'm charlie mcgee
0: i'm george mcgee
1: and this time dear ramblers George and I are travelling back to 1986 to review the children's cult classic that is Labyrinth, given us by, I want to say Terry Gilliam, is that right? George? No, no, it's, it's,
0: it's Jim Henson. It's, it's Sorry, a... Jim
1: Henson, I'm, I'm getting confused with my puppeteer masters.
0: Yes, though there is someone from Monty Python involved in this. So written by Terry Jones and directed by Jim Henson in one of his non-Muppet projects. So, I want to call this a David Bowie vehicle, but
1: George is going to get into that in the uh, in the trivia with the lovely, beautiful, and very, very, very young David. She's only 14, David. God! <laughs> uh, Jennifer Connelly. Yes. Um... So, uh, what, what, what do people have to look forward to, do you think, George, in this? More trivia than, than? I don't think we're going to spend a lot of time dissecting this film because we were very young.
0: Yeah, no, there's uh, obviously just due to the sheer scale of, of the production, the pre-production, uh, all, there's a lot of puppets and yeah, they, it went through various different scripts and things like that. So yeah, there's a bit of production chat. We'll talk about yeah the amazing practical work from the, the Henson Company and we'll obviously talk about uh, the majesty that is David Barry. But uh, if you haven't listened to Retro Ramble before, Retro Ramble we are a film podcast, a light-hearted film podcast. So Charlie and I are brothers and we look back at the films of our youth. We see Do They Still Hold Up? Uh, have they been remade? Have they been spun off into a Netflix series, etc.? Probably, probably. <laughs> and ask, you know, what made them so great? Why, uh, you know, so many of them beloved? But it is a light-hearted look. So, as amongst the trivia, we'll be throwing in. We'll be having, you know, a bit of fun with it. There might be some childish language and humor, some bad impressions, but ultimately, we aim to entertain. Exactly,
1: yeah, it's just George and I trying to remember, what did we think of those films now, how have they aged, and what do we think of them taking another look, taking a retro ramble from right now. Okay, so, uh, do you have the trailer ready to go, brother? Yes, I do. Okay, let's hit it. Enjoy the show.
0: Have you enabled screenshots?
1: No, I haven't, and I think we're... I Disable the screen sharing. I did not realise that he talked like that, like, all the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's a bit like walking. It goes up and down and around and around. It's almost like everything is a song. <laughs> this isn't going to get to us in And... TriStar Pictures announces the collaboration of three extraordinary talents. Jim Henson, creator of the Muppets and Dark Crystal.
1: Where you go with a head like that? Hmm?
0: George Lucas, creator of the Star Wars saga. the most innovative forces in modern entertainment, David Bowie. (laughs) Together, they will take you into a dazzling world of fantasy and adventure. There's nothing to be afraid of. A world where anything seems possible and nothing is what it seems. I've done, I've done for you I move the stars with no one move Now, now, run so far, run so far The world of Labyrinth
1: Wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I forgot about the George Lucas tie in. Interested to know about what his involvement was with this, but I'm sure we will cover that. So as we like to start it off, um, before we start talking about David Bowie, um, George, how did we get this movie?
0: This was, I say, Jim Henson is, you know, predominantly known for his amazing work with the the Muppets. Um, but he had sort of strayed from that formula at the start of the 80s. Um, he got together with a conceptual artist, a guy called Brian Froud, and they together, they created The Dark Crystal. Um, and that is not a film that you or I have seen. Um, it's
1: one for our retro ramble revelations i think
0: yes we were we're gonna sort of try and watch it before this but down to scheduling issues it wasn't possible so yes i'm sure we will watch it at at some point um so yeah the dark crystal is a one of those ones that it's a cult classic now um though at the time it didn't land very well it wasn't a huge success Uh, and i think that got jim henson down a bit but he bounced back and, and had another idea. And then he, he got back in touch with this uh, concept artist, Brian Froud, and they said, well, let's talk about what else could we do? And something that, w- so the Dark Crystal is 100% puppets. But for this next idea, they were like, oh, no, what about something a bit more in line? We've had more, well, Jim Henson had had more success with the Muppet films, which is obviously a mixture of, of puppets and human actors. So they said, yeah, maybe let's do something more in line with that. And Brian Froud, whilst they were discussing ideas, just had this vision. He wanted to do something with goblins. And he had this vision, this image of goblins surrounding a human baby. And they just spun it off from there. So, yeah, Brian Froud just did hundreds and hundreds of sketches of all these different Creatures and monsters, and what Jareth could look like, and things like that. Um, the George Lucas connection is is, is fairly much a, a footnote, so it's is executively produced by him, but he was involved via Frank Oz. So, Frank Oz is <laughs> it, it, yes, now is, is that Yoda or Miss Piggy? Because he is, <laughs> he is the man behind it's hard, both. It's hard to tell
1: with Charlie's impressions. <laughs>
0: um so yes frank oz is obviously you know key part of the jim henson company um but also um behind yoda so obviously had a connection with george lucas and george lucas was really interested to get involved because um you know in terms of pushing technology he wanted to see realistic creatures on screen using the latest puppetry techniques and him and jim henson were good friends um so yeah it was more of a Oh, I just want to see you do some cool stuff. Um, though there is reading sort of up. Uh, I think he did some uncredited suggestions on the story as well. Um, yes, but speaking- you can
1: definitely see the Lucas thing, because like, Lucas used a lot of puppetry and stuff in Star Wars. In the original, there was a lot of what they try to go back to with the most recent, uh, uh, they're not prequels, what are the most recent ones called?
0: Oh, the also legacy. Waking, I the, guess you yeah. call it the
1: legacy films. Yeah, in that they're like, no, we need more practical effects, and so we're yeah. looking back to this time where he was doing work with you know these these people.
0: Yeah, and I suppose the other key contribution by Industrial Light and Magic in this is the very opening with the the owl is I think the first computer generated creature in a film. I think I mean obviously it does look very computer generated, but I think that was a a landmark thing for, you know, this sort of the path for early East CGI.
1: There's a few things of uh, times in, the, in this film that I, I was getting vibes like from Back to the Future, you know, like where they were trying out. It was the leading edge of technology at the time and it looks ropey now, but back then nobody had seen anything <laughs> like it.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's yeah, very much, yeah, trial and error. I think, yeah, and I think on this film, we'll get into it in terms of, the, yeah, they're really pushing the puppet- technology and what and, and they're always looking for to develop and try out new stuff um but in terms of the, the script initially it was written uh, the first script was or first draft was written by a poet and children's author called dennis lee i think he's canadian however the second draft was then passed over to terry jones so he of monty python uh fame so yeah one of the key you know, forces of Monty Python, but he also directed most of the Monty Python films as well. And I think he did a few other films. He did Eric the Viking and I'm trying to think what else did Terry Jones. do that wasn't a a Monty Python film, but yeah, but he, he he was,
1: he was the um, movie making engine in the Monty well, Python. Well,
0: but as you said in the opening, you know, him and Terry Gilliam. Yeah. So yeah, it was, they, between the two of them, they were the main sort of filmmakers Um, So, yeah, he ditched most of that first script and went back to Brian Froud's drawings. And he even says in the documentary, the making of, he's like, well, whenever I got stuck, I just went through this pile of amazing drawings and I got my ideas from there. But he admits that his vision sometimes clashed with Henson's. Um, Terry Jones wanted to hold back on the reveal of the centre of the labyrinth and keep it as a mystery for the audience. But Jim Henson wanted to get into it and have fun with it early on. Terry Jones says it it sort of fell between two stools um it didn't really end up as the story I wanted to tell, but I don't know if it was quite the story Jim imagined either, and I think we'll probably get into it when we talk about the film, but yeah it 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 does feel for me it is a bit all over the place this this film at times,
1: yeah, like the like the set design, the characters uh we are going a bit, and we are going a bit left,
0: so yeah, um very some
1: quite random things I mean. Obviously, the puppeteering is front and centre. I did start getting the feeling this is obviously older me. I think kids would have eaten this up back in the day. But I was like, uh, I recently watched um, the Phantom Menace and it's that great line from Obi-Wan, why do I get the feeling we've picked up another pathetic life form? And it's, <laughs> it's almost like I've got this why do I get the feeling that we're going to go to another, not pathetic, but we're going to cut to another puppet set piece? I felt like by the end of the film, you'd gone through a lot. Mm. It's like, another puppet. I know they're all characters, but the only humans in this are um, the lovely jennifer conley and david
0: jareth
1: uh, bowie um... so yeah
0: so let's get into um to jareth so yeah they said from early on they were keen to have a rock star play jareth and they wanted someone that could um write and and perform songs they did want it to have a musical element yeah. So there were a few people in the mix, which I'll get to later on.
1: <laughs> oh, it's going to be an interesting coulda, woulda, shoulda, I imagine. It's going to yeah. be like a be like a band-aid shot, I, I'd imagine. Right. So looking forward to that.
0: But they eventually, um, I think uh, Jim Henson was convinced by his children that uh, David Bowie had the biggest appeal. So they um, approached Bowie when he was on his 1983 tour. They showed him Froud's designs. They showed him the Dark Crystal. And he admitted he was on the lookout for a project that would allow him to write music, uh, you know, film project, and he wanted to do something for children as well. So he was, yeah, he was signed. I think he was signed on sort of quite early on as that key sort of figure. Uh, Whereas in terms of the casting of Jennifer Connelly, you know, this was I think a second film. She was she was this
1: after Legend.
0: No, no, she's not in... So Legend was being made at the same time, um, but she's not in Legend. That's Mia Sarah. Um, oh, who's
1: from uh, Ferris Bueller. Yeah, and, and, and the Tom.
0: And Time Cup. Um, <laughs> the, 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 that classic film, Time Cup. Uh, so, yes, I mean, yeah, just taking a step back. Um, Yeah, so Legend came out the same year or was shooting at the same time. But yeah, the '80s was a a big um, fantasy flicks were were big in the '80s, weren't they? There was obviously was it Lady Hawk and Beastmaster. We, we, we've talked to, obviously we covered Willow previously. Um, they took
1: a bit of a hiatus until Lord of the Rings. But yeah, there was a period of our childhood where there was. They definitely know... died
0: out in the '90s, I think. Yeah, we, yeah. There, there was just too many sort of flops, and yeah, it was a it wasn't much of a time. But yeah, obviously we've come. Sort of full circle with, you know, Lord of the Rings and um, Game of Thrones. Um, you know, fa- and I suppose you could even argue because it's got magic. Is is Harry Potter as well? So yeah, there's there's a lot of and in certainly in the gaming industry. You know, it's huge fantasy. Yeah, yeah very games.
1: big, very big genre. So um, yeah, he's just an enigma, Bowie he Ah. is
0: um and but watching him in this i mean obviously he he only did you know hand well a handful of big film roles and 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 lead roles um but he's brilliant you know he's he's yeah as you say he's front and center and as the trailer put you know he, he was the third part of that sort of creative vision but um he's so charismatic and funny and charming and God damn, it's so sexy.
1: Yes, asexual. Uh, asexual predator. No, no, just asexual. And um, I wanted to spend a moment to talk about Bowie's balls. I'm talking about both sets. I'm talking about the glass bowls that he manages to no. joke juggle- or can Is I that can a I... fake hand? Because there's one moment where I was like, "Is that his hand? Does he did he have a stunt hand?"
0: So yes, <laughs> uh, I've I've got a subsection called Bowie's magic balls. Um, <laughs> so yes, they were actually um, it was um, someone hiding behind Bowie and a, a, a fake arm. So yeah, it was performed by an ac- accomplished juggler, a guy called uh, Michael Motion, uh, and he stage he... stage name. <laughs> uh, well, it, it's, it's, it's m-o-s-c-h-e-n but yeah michael motion uh it sounds clearly a stage it, name but okay. so um he was yeah you see in the behind the scenes footage he's literally like behind bowie's back and the amazing thing is he's got to do it all just through f- field there's no like with the the puppets and stuff they usually have a video feed so they can see what they're doing but he was just having to do it all by touch so they're showing like loads of takes of him fucking it up and they said you know Bowie was really patient with him and like just saw the funny side to it but he's like this poor guy he can't see what he's doing but he's doing his amazing stuff with balls um so yeah it is quite amusing just seeing this guy like crouching with a a leather jacket just a leather arm (laughs) inside
1: Bowie um the other set of Bowie's balls I want to talk about is his crotch. Cord, his
0: codpiece. His
1: codpiece, which is is so pronounced because of the what can only be described as jodpers that he's wearing. He has
0: so many <laughs> costume changes in this, but a lot of them are drawing attention to his crotch. Um, but apparently, yeah, there's um, Brian Froud uh, said that it's um, – that Jareth the important thing to remember because he was just like I can't believe we got away with <laughs> what we did we said um Jareth is obviously a, it's all going on in Sarah's mind he's part of Sarah's imagination and he said there's all sorts of uh references in Jareth's costume so there's there's the danger of a leather boy in his leather jacket there's also a reference to armor of a German knight there's references to Heathcliff from Wuthering Heights, and the tight trousers are a reference to ballet dancers. He's That's what an, I thought. Yeah, he's an amalgam uh, uh, of the fantasies of this girl. So, but
1: I, I, I guess we're gonna get to that bit. The bit that I didn't understand as a child was, "I did it all for you, Sarah." Um, that was very hit me hit me a bit in the face this time going through the the subplot between his rel- it made me really wonder this this time. There's a
0: lot of subtext. What's a- go
1: What's going? On? She's she was only fourteen. Um, yeah. There's a, so I don't know, but I, I what I what I feel like what you just mentioned there because I've watched they were absolute beginners uh, with Bowie, and it's a great film and it's a very B movie. You know, it was on TV. I remember it being very period periodic piece, but the musical numbers in it are brilliant and. I don't know. I just feel like he has, obviously, I think it goes without saying, being the age that we are, Bowie was a bit before us. Yeah. we, George and I love his music because just like fans of this podcast, we love our retro music. It's been played to infinitum on our uh, podcasts. Sorry, on our playlists, on Spotify, whatever. George and I, we'll stick on some Bowie. But he had been a bit before us, but he's so charismatic. He's got so much. When he's when he's on, I just I want more Bowie. You know, it's like when yeah. he's when he's talking to Hoggle or whatever he's called, it's like everything he says, it's like a rhythm, you know, the yeah. way he talks, it's like, you say it's, you compare him to um to our friend Christopher Walken, but with Walken, it's, I guess it's about delivery as a thespian, but with Bowie, everything is music. Um, So, yeah. Um,
0: I, well, yeah, what's the, uh, the, I had to like write down, it's one of the lines uh, towards the end, it's like, I ask for so little just fear me love me do as i say and i will be your slave
1: Yes yeah no just me say be my slave no, no yeah, exactly. do do everything no, i, I say and i will be I will your be slave be
0: your your slave
1: Yeah it's uh, I didn't I didn't get the whole thing i, I worked it out obviously because i didn't remember where this film was going but by the time I go, oh it's all in her head it's like of course is you idiot you know of course yeah. it's in her head but yeah, he's he's just brilliant. And I would argue he's he's in it enough, but I could have done with some more. Do you well, know what I mean? I could have yeah, done
0: with some more scenes with him in. But well, I've know? I've yeah, my take on it is, yeah, he's 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 amazing and he should have done more films. But the other yeah. take I've got after watching it this time round is, you know, one of the best scenes in the whole film. The dance magic dance sequence comes far too early in the film. It's like in the first, it's in twenty five minutes in or something. I'm it's sorry.
1: not, it's not earned. It's, it's the first time we see him with his goblin mates, and all and I was thinking was like, it's Bowie in a room with with Muppets. <laughs> There's nobody else in the and scene.
0: it's amazing though. Um, yeah. and yeah, the just the in terms of the numbers, there was uh, that scene consisted over forty eight puppets, fifty two puppeteers, and eight little people in goblin costumes. So it's a huge amount of work going on for that one scene. And obviously it's a great tune. And I was just, you know, singing along or lip syncing along as, as it was going on. I was just like, but it's too early. It needs to be closer towards the end.
1: They haven't um, earned the right to give us that quality of yeah. musical number
0: yet. But yeah, that's it with this, this film. It seems like there's, there's so much going on and there's so many great ideas and, great sequences there's the you know the bit with um all the hands grabbing and then that's the hands creative make, very making creative. face i remember being creeped out by that when i was younger uh, the, the, the opening's quite creepy um yeah. where we've got all the little goblins popping up in a room and then disappearing it's yeah. but it's also looking back now it's quite funny it's like Nye. yeah <laughs> um and you you do get feel the the shades of the the like that terry jones silly humor that daft humor coming through.
1: Well, I thought the bridge scene is very, you shall not pass. It was, yes. almost, a re, it was almost a homage to uh, Holy Grail.
0: Well, apparently the night dog, so did he, is it Didymus? He's brilliant. He's one of my um, favourite
1: characters in it. Yeah.
0: So that's based on uh, Terry Gilliam's dog. He had a, like a yeah. long haired uh, Jack, Jack Russell and he was like, when I met with Jim Henson, he came to my house and he couldn't stop staring at my dog. <laughs> and that's when it became, yeah, so Didymus um but yeah there's there's some great characters and amazing accomplishments uh but it just feels very like oh yeah that's cool that's cool and it's all like let's just wedge it all together and it's a, a bit up and down
1: i did I, that's what i was saying before it was like skip to a set piece mm. like pu- puppet set piece, puppet set piece uh background set piece uh inexplainable like what was weird is that you'd have these characters come on screen and you're like wow the makeup like it must have got nominated for its makeup or design
0: um i don't know if you probably would got it, i don't know if you would call it makeup i, I don't know what, where the where, where it costume, falls in
1: prosthetics but it like what i mean production is production design maybe I don't there's know. so much effort's gone in And then, just as you've like processed all of that, we go to a next scene. And there's another monster. And there's another Hmm. monster. And at the end, there's the robot, man, goblin powered robot striking. Yeah. Which was,
0: I think that was the biggest puppet uh, at that time had ever been created. It was like 15 foot high. Yeah. um, And weighed several tons. I mean, even um, Hoggle for like, you know, a. A fairly major character that's in it a lot. Uh, so he was a little controlled person. by yeah, a little person inside, but his face was controlled by four puppeteers controlling eighteen motors inside the face rig, and then the little person inside it, this lady called Shari Weiser because she had small hands, and Hoggard had to have big hands. They'd had like she had these like robotic prosthetic hands as well, and it's just amazing like collaboration of having to work together. Um, She
1: lost a lot of weight making this film. (laughs) Sweated, sweated her body weight. Uh, But it's impressive. That's what I mean is that it's, um, if nothing, because I think I was trying to keep, remind myself what it was like to go back and it was like, this would have been so impressive, you know, for, for a kiddie audience, like it was so out there. So and all I could I think I should have probably take this would be a great film to watch under the influence of acid. <laughs> it's <just> like <laughs> it's so random. It's so out there. As you say, the plot is all over the place. Oh, it's another character, it's another character, it's really trippy. I was just like, whoa.
0: Yeah, and it's like um Yeah, you but there yeah, there's some great bits in it. Like there's the whole bit where She's drawing on the tiles and there's the little monsters flipping the tiles around. Yeah. Um, I love the effects of the, um, the door knockers. Like that, yeah, that would that be was so really CGI. Impressive. But like for the metallic look and stuff like that, it's like, that's really impressive.
1: How did they do that?
0: Was that, that was
1: people's... That, it, that was puppets. It was just puppets. All, of... Yeah, it's
0: just just the way they can do the like metallic sheen and things like that. Um, but yeah, I think I've, I've got fact somewhere that... They they were building the models it's like it was like a year and a half before filming. You know to produce all the models, like you, you see them making all the like the latex arms for that arm sequence. I think you know obviously hundreds of pairs of arms and. But to yeah, choreograph
1: that scene with all those arms is something else.
0: Yeah, and you see them uh, like trying out like all the faces. Like, well, could that look like a face? And that, and you can see. I say they're they're, they're doing it as they go along, so it's. It's uh, it's really interesting. Uh, in terms of yeah, the the making of is is definitely worth checking out just to see how many people are are involved. Um, just to bring it all together. And again, you know, it's something we talk about quite a bit in in this podcast. Is they don't make them like they used to. You know, you wouldn't get something of something this crazy with this many puppets of you know today, would you?
1: No, definitely not with puppets. But just give them time. They will be scraping the nostalgia barrel soon. And someone will try if they haven't already.
0: Well well, uh, Netflix, funny enough, Netflix did a a sequel, I think it was a series, a mini series to Dark Crystal.
1: No, no, I saw that. That was advertised um, all over. And yeah.
0: Probably... Um, which is supposed to be quite good. Um so yeah, it'd be interesting to see how much of that was and I, I remember that was something that Joe Dante said. About if he was ever to do a Gremlins 3, he would want to, he want to do it with with puppets, whereas the pushback would be, well, just do it with CGI. And and obviously, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you would can do. And I'm sure they do it now with with the Muppets. There's stuff that they can wipe away a lot easier with CGI. Whereas in this, you know, without Bon- bonkers scene in this with the um, are they called the fireys those like
1: oh those guys the, who take the heads off yeah. yeah
0: the red demon things that are yeah. just like what is going on here that's
1: when I started thinking I should be taking acid <laughs> yeah
0: whereas yeah the other bit that's just completely nuts is where she's she's back in her house but with the like the, yeah, the, the, the hoarder woman going oh yeah. you want this love you want this and I'm just like what's going
1: on speaking of which should we talk about the, the dream within a dream so when she's it's in her imagination, oh, and then we're... she eats the peach and goes oh. to the very... Are we going
0: to Bowie's swinger party?
1: Bowie's swinger party, but she's only 14,
0: David. Uh, n- what were you thinking? No, no, thanks. I don't want to be part of your sex festival. Oh. It's it's very, very sexy.
1: It's uh, And he's looking at her. That's when you start thinking, but okay, but I thought the whole thing was you stole his brother. I thought you were the Goblin King, and that was your thing with stealing babies. I didn't know that you had designs on Sarah.
0: Love me, feel me. Sarah. <laughs> um, yeah, that bit's just getting it a bit weird, but it's also an opportunity for another song. Yeah, just
1: give us more ballet dancing about in Jodhpurs. That's that's what I want ballet with his uh, codpiece.
0: That's that's and, what I want to see. And then you've got the crazy bit after that with the uh, the stairs, the the Escher sort of inspired. That's clever. Yeah. yeah. And a nice song, and also I
1: think that's when he's really flicking his muscle, and he's like, "I feel like I'm in a Bowie uh, music video now," and I'm really happy that I'm that we're here. Um, so yeah, it's 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 one of those crazy films. It's like I wonder what our kids would think of it. You know, like for sure. Well,
0: I was going to ask you that as well because I I don't know what it is like whether. What it like? It feels like my kids were or, uh, my my eldest. She's she's just turned nine, and when I've tried to introduce her to stuff, she just isn't into. Like I tried Goonies, and that was too slow moving, and she was just like they. I think they hadn't. They just got to the restaurant. They hadn't got into the tunnels yet. and She's like, "Oh, Daddy, this is boring. Can we turn it off?" And the other week we, uh, we were trying her and her cousins. We were trying to convince them to watch um Short Circuit, and they just couldn't get into it. And I don't know. If it's, yeah, films have to start immediately. Now they need an immediate hook. Immediate um, justification. Uh, sorry, but, I d- I, but I don't know with this, like I remember being freaked out by it when I saw it. And I don't know how old I saw it originally, maybe like six or seven, but I think she'd be really creeped out by it. I don't know. What what, what do you think about it with your kids? I, I
1: think it is quite creepy. I think it's got that sort of eighties cre- that 80s creepiness. Like the 80s were inappropriate on every level. And it was yeah. brilliant. It was brilliant.
0: Excess. <laughs> Excess. It,
1: no, but it was brilliant. It, yeah. the fit the, the PG thirteen, the 15s we were watching had loads of, loads more swearing and nudity than you get away with today. It was one it was it was a wonderful time to be alive. Um, but yeah, I think because I was thinking about this the other day about our nephew. I was like, when are we gonna be able to watch Platoon with him? Because we'd watched it by now. He's like 14, 15.
0: Well, yeah, we we'd, 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 we'd watched, already
1: watched it. So, but so like, I want wonder... we'd watch
0: Terminator, Predator, Diet, all of the like. But the I think if we inside. said
1: to his dad or brother-in-law, I think he'd be, oh no, I don't want him watching that. You know, I think
0: I think, I, I think now I think Platoon would be fine. Yeah, I mean, he's fourteen.
1: Yeah, and it's teaching them valuable lessons. No, but to go back to your original point, it's like I th- I think maybe because uh, I know somebody of um, I think around the the age. I think you have things like Goonies. I think the younger they are, it's better because they're like, they feel as soon as they make that jump from animated to being able to watch, um, you know, full, full films. I, th- I think it's important to, to get them into that sort of thing, to do Goonies, to do um, Indiana Jones, that sort of yeah. thing. I think they're Star Wars. I'm, I'm in a world of Star Wars right now and it's a lot of fun. Um, nice. Nice. Just a pivot, and by the way, yeah, just to talk about that, like a seven-year-old thinks Jar, Jar Binks is hilarious. So, well, that's did, what, he, that's did,
0: what did, it was designed for. It was designed for kids.
1: He does know what he was doing. So, yeah, um, yeah and talking about you know the kiddie market, but I do think this film labyrinth has certain elements about it that are a bit too on the. Uh, I I'm, I'm I'm Sexy in a really sound. weird k-hole right now.
0: <laughs> well, that's it. There's something uh, very otherworldly about. All the, the puppets, I suppose. Like, there's, you yeah. know. Yeah!
1: There, there's a lot. What's that one from Star Wars? The uh, Jab of the Huts little. Um, oh, uh,
0: Solitious Crumb, the little. Yeah, rap, there's, there's rap a lot of that thing.
1: going on. So, you and I obviously think it's hilarious. It's funny, but they're quite evil looking, you know, like in the gremlin sort of way.
0: Yeah. So, that's it. I think I'm, I'm tempted to try and introduce it to my daughter because I feel like she should be the right age. But yeah, I can imagine just going, Daddy, this is a bit weird. <laughs>
1: Who's, who's who's the woman with the weird hair who talks like a man? That's David
0: Bowie. That's David Bowie. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, again, I, I say, you know, it's, it's just such a... Yes, it is a bit patchy, but I think it's such a gonzo idea of, you know, all these puppets, David Bowie, and, you know, some of it works, some of it doesn't, but I think it's a, a genuine, you know, in interesting feat, and it's a shame as i say because of stuff like cgi that you know has mostly died out
1: or better or worse yeah it seems to you wouldn't be able to make this today um but it stands out as being a landmark film in terms of pushing the the medium of puppetry forward yeah so uh is there anything else we need to cover because i just i can't wait to hear who else was considered for these roles
0: uh, no, let's just get into uh, coulda, woulda, shoulda.
1: Okay, so coulda, woulda, shoulda is where George informs us about uh, the actors who were considered for leading roles but didn't get parts. So, who were they considering before this became a David Bowie? Or who was the backup for for Bowie if uh, if he didn't say yes? Apparently, Sting. It's got to be Sting. Yeah, so <laughs>
0: Sting was uh, uh, Jim Henson's uh, first choice. But the other person in consideration, who was one of the biggest rock stars at the time, just put yourself in a child. Yeah. MJ himself, Michael Jackson. Um, But I think also Prince and Mick Jagger were on the shortlist as well. I mean, Prince (laughs) Prince, would have been funky. Prince (laughs) would be bonkers (laughs) and very sexy. Yeah, Jagger. I just yeah, I'm really struggling to imagine it with uh, with Jacko, especially in hindsight.
1: <laughs> just give uh, me the baby. I just want baby blanket. Was, Jacko uh, did his own weird, weird ass movie oh, with oh, Moonwalker. Shit. We, we yeah, need to. We, add are we're, we're to, the have to list. Do, We're gonna
0: do that. I mean, yeah, that, no, that is
1: one strange film.
0: That is lots of set pieces just stapled together, very and poorly. Lots lot of, music of money. Lots lot of money. Yeah. Lot, yeah, lot of, of m- coke. I mean, a lot of money. (laughs) But yeah, in terms of um, there's also a huge who's who of um, who auditioned for the role of Sarah. So Helena Bonham Carter, uh, Jane Krakowski, Yasmin Bleeth, Sarah Jessica Parker, Mary Stuart Masterston, Laura Dern, Ali Sheedy, Mia Sarah, who we talked about from that went did legend and Marissa Tomei all auditioned uh for the role. All oh, beautiful brunettes. Uh I think yes, mostly. I think Jane Krakowski's blonde. She's the one that's in 30 rock. But yeah, this was Jennifer Colley's second role. As you say, she was fourteen at the time. It's still going strong and still looking Look- amazing. Um, absolutely stunning. In um Top Gun Maverick, there is, I don't know if it's intentional, but there's a scene where she's in, in her bar and Bowie is playing in the background. It's but it's um, Let's Dance is playing. It's, it's not it's not dance, it, not dance magic.
1: That would be amazing. Magic dance, dance, magic dance.
0: <laughs> the whole the whole all, bar going for it.
1: I did all of this for you, Sarah. <laughs> for that you. Would... So yeah, that's a that's a typical list of who's who, but that's interesting because um she is i that's something i want to talk about she acts well like the script is it is what it is but she doesn't hold back she's confident um well that's that's what
0: the um, driving
1: the plot forward very confidently throughout and she has to do a lot of action she's holding on to a lot of stuff she's falling she's having to do loads of stuff
0: yeah i know that's what jim henson points in this uh making of like he's really praising of her Bowie's, you know, saying it's, you know, you can't believe she's 14. She's like so grown up, so sensible. And yeah, you know, uh, Jim Henson talks about the amount of physical stuff she has to do, like hanging off stuff. And he said, you know, she never complained. She threw herself into it. And yeah, she, you know, she's great. And obviously, you know, the fact that she's still going, you know, she's had quite a a varied career, but she's done some amazing work. Uh, over the years, and it's great to see, yeah, that she's still going strong. From from Rocketeer
1: to Re- Requiem. No, I mean, she's done it all, she, <laughs> but she has. True. If you think, like, in terms of range. True. Uh, she's done, uh, she's got an amazing... Uh, uh, have you watched any of Snowpiercer? Because she's probably the best thing in that. Um, what, and, did
0: their series? Oh, Sean Bean! Uh, no, yeah, I've, oh. only se- I've only seen the film, you bastard.
1: Yeah, um, yeah she's probably the best thing in that.
0: Is she like evil is she the Ed Harris evil head of the train?
1: No, she's kinda of, I think she's like head conductor on the train, so in a way, because the oh, okay. I'm not spoiling anything, but the, the evil head Harris thing doesn't turn up until season two, and you oh, know who oh. he is. Um <laughs> you know who he's played by, and I don't die in this one. Um yeah, so
0: <laughs> get off me, train.
1: No, no, I think it's uh it's a cult classic this film stands up it ha it does stand up to the test of the time as much as any other kids film from that era does for me so i think it can't be criticized in my opinion i think it did what it did how did it perform do you have any data on on that uh Imagine.
0: i i don't think it was a um i don't this think was it big on
1: video i remember I guess, seeing on a lot a lot of trailers on a lot of videos
0: yeah again i think like the dark crystal it was it wasn't a big cinema success but it became huge on on video and in and tv and i think it was i think it was the last film that jim henson directed at then his son brian henson he took over and did muppets christmas carol and muppets treasure island i think he was a bit put out by it i think and that's why he he sort of stepped back from directing because it was yeah after after you know the not this and Dark Crystal not being big at the box office. I think it was a bit of a blow for him, even though he knew that he got to see that they became, you know, beloved cult classics. I think he was just like, well, maybe I'm gonna step back.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what we think of the Dark Crystal when we get around to doing it on Retro Ramble Revelations, but I feel like we kind of missed the boat. Is I think it's one of those things, if you didn't watch it at the time.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: we'll 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 obviously handle it with kid gloves, but you know what I mean? I think it might be a bit Is is, is that code for drugs? Yeah, kick gloves. Um, Let's get some. Let's get some acid and really take this Mm. up to eleven. Yeah, I don't know what else I want to say. Stylistically, you've got the music throughout. Very, um, very. Yeah, just you can tell that that's at a high level. The the costume work, all of this. The plot's not that bad. Um, It is a bit all over the place in terms of what's going on. But I, it you're in her imagination, you know. So I think that it kind of... It's got a good enough ending. You know, there's the assault on Goblin City.
0: Yeah, I, I completely forgot about that. I mean, this, this is weird the things that stick in your mind. But I, yeah, completely forgot about that whole sort of battle sequence.
1: I don't remember anything apart from Bowie dancing, Bowie dancing around a room with a bunch of... Sing dance, magic dance with a bunch of goblins. So that's all. And I just remember it being weird, yeah, I mean, like, um, there was a few. I say, there's a few kids inverted speech mark films of this time. There was Wizard of Oz two. Oh God, it? that's terrifying! Mm-hmm. Return to Oz return to Wars. that's really dark it's in that sort of vibe it's like really
0: dark kids films yeah dark
1: weird puppetry that makes it and it makes you just feel it just Mm -hmm. makes you feel yeah so yeah i put it up there but it's got the light-hearted um who i just i can't get enough of um And it makes me think now when he's in uh, The Prestige that Chris Nolan has really made him rein back the Boweryism because he speaks in that in a very level... Clipped, yeah. Clipped delivery, whereas I'd love to see outtakes from I think it would be better if I (laughs) sung this bit, Chris. What do you think?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just in putting his head in his (laughs) hand Um, No, I rewatched The Prestige recently. And yeah, that is a great masterpiece, a masterpiece. Cool.
1: Okay. Uh, anything else you want to say about uh, Labyrinth? Is there anything to come? I mean, we talked about Dark Crystal being picked up by Netflix. Is there any talks in the works of anybody wanting to go back and do things to Jennifer Connelly? Or I, David
0: Bowie. I th- I think there there's there's probably I think it was rumored for ages of a, a Labyrinth two, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was still running around whilst you know Bowie was still with us. But I think with him no longer around, I think it would have to be a a full fresh reboot. You couldn't do a a legacy sequel, but I don't think we'd want to. And I say I think it would. Yeah, it just you just wouldn't get anything like that today.
1: So, follow up question is obviously, were it made today, who would play the part of the title character whose name is this beautiful marriage between Jared and Gareth? <laughs> who would play Jareth in terms mm. of um, big pop stars who were in who are in their forties right now? So basically, pop stars we know because we don't know any of the young pop stars because we're dads.
0: Yes that's true. Um <laughs> though I'm struggling to think of um <laughs> Gary Barlow. It would be Gary Barlow. <laughs> Gary we're going to need you to wear the... Can I can I push my own wine label in this movie? No Gary. No.
1: Robbie Williams. Um yeah. Yeah no but I, it it is interesting
0: Enrique was... Iglesias. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Enrique's whole He was so big. Bowie, you know, he could, he was ahead of his time in all respects. You know, he was ahead of the game in, in everything, like in terms of where music was going next, even where technology was going next. You know, he had his website before anybody had websites. He talked about the effect the internet was going to have on, he says, not just the music industry. He was like yeah. the whole world. He was like shops, business, banks, everything. He was saying this in the 90s, you know, so he was, um, I don't know, rest in peace. We miss we miss you. No, yeah. he's,
0: he's an absolute legend um you know obviously taking
1: from us too soon i'm sorry yeah just be nice to have him knocking about
0: uh i mean yeah he's got an amazing just his volume of work musically you know is 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 amazing but yeah the fact is he's done some some great films as well it's you know it's just this is a nice reminder as well
1: brilliant okay so that was 1986's labyrinth next time we will be back with um well i should probably check with george can we reveal do we know what we're covering next
0: well yes this is um we're trying to change things up um so keep it fresh keep it fresh keep you on your toes listeners so uh next month we're going to do a double bill it's 1994 skydiving extravaganza it's drop zone versus terminal velocity charlie sheen takes
1: on our best friend mr tax mr (laughs) taxpayer mr i'm forming my own militia wesley snipes
0: (laughs) i mean yeah my odds are on wesley for that one uh gary
1: busey in it for for christ's sakes of course yeah i
0: i I think I've, i've definitely seen drop zone more recently than i have terminal velocity um and I think I was texting you live, texting you as I was watching Drop Zone because it has it's outrageous in a in a pure like nineties action film. Campaign.
1: Early early nineties, eighties Hangover. We were talking about excess of the eighties. It was still front and center, male chauvinistic, uh, coke fueled ideas. What, but that doesn't make sense yeah but it'll look cool this was the gener- what, this- what
0: about a bunch of bank robbers but they commit crimes via skydiving
1: what that doesn't make any sense this is real high concept so it's like yeah we're gonna take some elements from uh point break and make them not work uh so yeah it's it is crazy but both of them have crap plots but the skydi- skydiving was cool Yes. Made cool a few years earlier by Point Break, a film that knew how to use the device in a film. Um, so yeah, got that to look forward to. Oh my God, Gary Gary Busey. I'm not so saying. yeah. Some I'm some sure
0: some mid '90s, well, early to mid '90s extravaganza. Some cheese for you should be a lot of fun.
1: And hopefully by now, if you haven't checked out our um, check out our Patreon channel, we've just done a review of 2023, a roundup of what we've seen, and also covered what we're looking forward to seeing in 2024. So uh, I guess we should say Happy New Year to all of our monthly listeners. Thank you for your support. We look forward to receiving more of it in 2024. Uh, Get in touch if there's anything, uh, because there's a few anniversaries coming up this year. If there's anything you think we should be covering, let us know because you never know we might put it out to a vote or we might already be set to cover it
0: okay so uh and yeah as always you know uh if you do enjoy this podcast we we do you know we love your support your comments um but it's always uh, a massive help to us to spread the word so whether that's a a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice or just recommending us to someone uh, that likes their 80s 90s films
1: yeah, or, or include us in a rev- when you're reviewing another film online. You know, if you're giving a review on Amazon, just mention our podcast. You know, gets gets <laughs> gets the word out there. Be, get creative, people. Excellent. Okay, so for this episode, I've been Charlie McGee.
0: I've been George McGee.
1: And we'll see you again next time. Bye bye.
0: Bye bye. Hi, greetings, Shuki doogie.
1: ticky
0: Ready, poop. Let's go. Wait. Wait. Hey, you remind me of a man. What man? The man with the power. What power? The power of hoodoo. Hoodoo? You do. Do what? Remind me of a man. What man? Man with the power. Good morning.
1: morning. Power of, hmm? <laughs> greetings, greetings. You remind me of the babe. What babe? Babe
0: with the power. Power. Of hoodoo. 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 You Do Do what? Remind me of the babe. I saw my baby crying for <laughs> the babe. Could cry. <laughs> what could I do?